a hard kicking and hard punching martial arts action actor takes the leap to hard kicking and hard punching storyteller. My name is Kennedy, with me is Tom KW, and this is the director's series 35 on Johnny Wang's This Man is Dangerous and Hong Kong Godfather. This is the start of a new director series, and after a suggestion from Podcast on Fire historian Jay Lee, I decided to take him up on his suggestion, and uh, therefore decided the next director to get the series treatment was Johnny Wang, Wang Lung Wei, which makes this director series more action-oriented, because uh, he is uh, he comes from action, has made action movies, and uh, brutal ones, hard-hitting ones, and... Uh, uh, that, that's his sort of trademark as a director so uh, you know the excellent Shaw Brothers martial arts uh, action actor turned to directing here in the mid 80s and his first uh, two movies came out in 1985 and sort of set the tone for what's to come we have an episode on Hong Kong Godfather in the podcast archive but um, we had a short-lived um, yeah, not we I wasn't on it uh, it was hosted by and I'm, I'm gonna say they're uh, their, the names they used for the podcast because I'm not sure they want uh, us to use their names but uh, we had uh, two uh, females from our from our uh, action cinema community Achilles Girl and the Ninja Squid host uh, the short-lived Two-Fisted podcast and that included coverage of Hong Kong Godfather many years ago but neither Tom nor me have discussed that uh, movie and this man is dangerous no one has discussed on the network so that's why there, there's a repeat of coverage here but uh, it's a uh, new to the director series so it's not as heavy heavy stuff about immigration and immigration this time as with uh, Mabel Chung and Alex Law but now it's uh, sort of all action some comedies some, some exploitation but his um, short run of movies uh, were definitely action tinted and they went about it uh, in his particular punchy uh, punchy way so uh, it maybe it makes it uh, more of an easy director series, but uh, we have nonetheless to uh, do our job and be as far as we can. So uh, thanks, Tom, for being on board. No worries. I know you said uh, it was episode 35 of the director series. That's that's kind of crazy to, to think. I think we probably peaked about episode 13, to be honest. It's <laughs> all been downhill from there, honestly. But we're going to give it our best shot tonight. We were, let's see if we can remember the directors we covered. Uh, Namna Choi, not a specific episode. Uh, Namna Choi, David Chang, Kirk Wong, yeah, Ringo Lam, and yep. uh, Mabel Chung and Alex Law, I believe, were the ones to follow. So uh, after that, so You're right. yeah, good memory, man. Good memory. Uh, because it sounds like we must have been into the Kirk Wong coverage by thirteen. So uh, maybe the crimes crime story episode is number thirteen, and you say that's like the peak. Okay, fine. I was right. There you go. Check it out, guys. <laughs> Listen to the downfall. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I I like doing these things. I like um, going through things and crafting a thread that um, I might not have picked up on, or a thread that I know of that I want to sort of. Um, record and uh, have an have a uh, an archive of a report of uh, and uh, it doesn't matter to me if it's uh, all action oriented or more complicated 
historical, um, political, uh, social, in the case of uh, Mabel Chung and Alex Law, and romantic, of course, because they were good at that too. So uh, the director series is not ex- exclusively like uh, artifarty or anything. No, movies is movies, and uh, we'll cover them all. And I think we have the ability to cover all of his uh, movies. Uh, we'll 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 get to. I don't know whether uh, I have the energy to, but we, we definitely have the. Uh, <laughs> we we have them all at our fingertips for sure. Well, you know what? What I don't have the energy for is to do a coverage like several episodes in a row to get the coverage all done and completed in a short time span. That I do not have the energy for. So that's why these things take time. We started the Mabel Chung Alex Law coverage in 2019. Finished it in 2021. <laughs> we did, yeah. <laughs> we like to take our time over here at the Podcast and Fire Network. But uh, it, it worked out, so I'm sure this will work out as well. Uh, the archive of all the directors uh, within the director series is available on the Podcast on Fire Network, on our website, podcastonfire.com. Obviously, you can just uh, search that out on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or whatever podcast uh, uh, app or platform you use. So uh, check out the director series uh, going back uh, many years uh, by now. And uh, we also have some bonus episodes connected to our uh, coverage. Uh, For instance, during the Mabel Chung and Alex Law coverage, we produced two extra bonus episodes uh, for the website uh, only and we were happy to do so that then included an episode on moon warriors since uh, maple chung and alex law were part of the behind the scenes uh, crew on that one that that included their uh, writing duties and directing duties overseen by uh, the mighty big brother summer hong so that's how that worked and uh, if you have any questions or feedback if you know uh, know of uh, johnny wang as a director or actor or, or have seen this man is dangerous or hong kong Godfather, if you knew him personally obviously <laughs> let us know let's get let's get him get him on the show and tell him we are nice people because uh, i'm sure he could hurt us if he, <laughs> if lie, he wanted lie to your teeth <laughs> and uh, let us know uh, regardless uh, if you have any feedback uh, of uh, other uh, of uh, if you want to want to mention something about the uh, other coverage in the director series uh, podcast on fire at googlemail.com uh, hit us up on, on social media facebook twitter instagram all uh, links are available in the show post we have a group on facebook and uh, we have a good um, active uh, following on instagram uh, and uh, twitter and that's very nice to see because uh, i'm the worst at sort of amassing a following because i don't know how you how you do social media i really don't uh, but it's nice it's nice to see some uh, uh, nice uh, camaraderie over there and uh, good good positive uh, not notes about our show but good positive people talking passionately about movies and that, that's always nice that makes my job easier because because uh, i don't want arguments uh, arguments in my feed damn it <laughs> and that's about as aggro as I'm going to get <laughs> and uh, I write about a variety of Hong Kong and Taiwanese movies on my website so goodreviews.com and Tom has a podcast what's it called and what's it about oh, do I have to do this again it's, it's the Logalogs the best beer podcast in the universe not world, universe and it's people on Mars and you know especially on Uranus listening to it um, it's a fantastic podcast. Me and my good friend Stuart Sutherland, we get together, we talk about beer, um, say silly things. Um, that's really it, but it's a good show and you should check it out. We don't know when you put this out, Ken, but we've just finished season three. So there's a whole three seasons to check out. Uh, there's a Christmas special coming out soon. And then after that, there's more things planned that I can't tell you about. The beer doesn't run out. Secret ever. things. No. It's always uh, it's always on in constant supply uh, in my house. 
So, yeah, hopefully the show will live on. And got some top secret plans for next year. I can't tell you about them because I don't know what they are. Uh, but, so when, 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 they are when they are formed, they will be top secret. They, they will be top secret. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Logalogs.com. And all our social media is linked from there. Are you happy, Stu? Is that Point, all right for period, you? Period, period. Stop talking. You've done it so well. You don't need to do a 15-minute plug. Like, uh, brevity is your, uh, is your uh, friend, my friend. So. Not recently. <laughs> uh, we'll link to Overloglogs, obviously. And uh, they were kind enough to add, invite me onto their uh, one-year anniversary show. And uh, I'm... I'm not a drinker, but I showed up with uh, non-alcoholic beverages and um, did a commentary with the lads about uh, on on the film The World's End. I always always am tempted to say At World's End, but that's a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> no, we didn't cover that. No plans to cover that just yet, but uh, who knows? If we want to have ideas, maybe we will. But yeah, that was a fantastic episode. It was lovely to have you on, Ken. And yeah, check that out. That was the... Uh, the season three uh, premiere episode. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Cool. Well, uh, let's uh, get into it. Uh, we're going to do a little rundown of what's to come here in the introductory episode to director uh, Johnny Wang's uh, filmography. So we do a little breakdown thing on the director and uh, his uh, multi-talents. Um, and then there's some brief notes on his debut movie, This Man is Dangerous. And then we review that film. We'll take a little break and then we'll do some short notes on Hong Kong Godfather. There, there, there's not a whole uh, ton of making-of notes because there's there's no interview with Johnny Wang about the making of these yeah, on, uh, on the DVD releases, which is indeed a shame because uh, there's not a whole lot of notes from the man about um, his choices of uh, movies and how we approach the directing uh, but um, the, the movies are out there for us to uh, interpret uh, intentions and uh, so forth but uh, some short notes on hong kong godfather then we review that film both of these are short brothers uh, movies uh, so yep. keeping it simple focusing on the man himself and uh, timestamps uh, will be available in the show post so the, the the man himself i mean there's not a whole ton of biographical notes uh, either but we'll speak of uh, what's out there and certainly we'll get to know him through creativity going through his filmography as a director so born in 1949 in hong kong and he got into movies uh, via what turned out to be a distinctive stint at shaw brothers so uh, in all likelihood you've seen johnny wang long way in some of your favorite uh, shaw brothers uh, movies um, he became part of Chang Che's troupe of actors, starting with 1974's Shaolin Martial Arts. That I believe that was Lang Gaian, aka Beardy's first Shaw Brothers movie as well. And they, you might be right about that, yeah. And they are um, Lang Gaian is in both This Man Is Dangerous and Hong Kong Godfather. Viewers uh, would, uh, from that point, see the man with a moustache, uh, you know, distinctly in that one, but across further movies such as Five Shaolin Masters, Marco Polo. Shaolin Temple, Chinatown Kid, and the Five uh, Venoms, a non-fighting part in the Five Venoms. Uh, he plays, I mean, for lack of a better word, a judge in that one. And so he's, he sort of sits down throughout the movie, but uh, that's uh, him as always with his moustache. His moustache is doing the acting for him in that one. It's, it's, a, it's a big part of uh, what makes him great. <laughs> You're right about that. Uh, but he would do the rounds in the studio in terms of working with their distinguished directors. He wasn't just a Chang Chia, uh, uh, Chang Chia troupe actor. So he made films for Choyun, like Full Moon Scimitar. He has a small appearance in Death Duel, one of Choyun's very best movies. He did films for Sun Chung or Sun Chung. 
uh, like the Avenging Eagle, To Kill a Mastermind, and had distinctive appearances for director Lau Garlung as well. Um, he was uh, the big bad in uh, his um, comedic Unconnected sequel to the 36 Chamber of Shaolin called Return to the 36 Chamber. A very divisive film, a film I'm very, very yeah. fond of. Yeah, yeah. Bit of a weird way to go for a sequel, but I think underrated, personally. It's kind of thing, like, what... what what do you do? Well, we don't want to repeat ourselves. Well, let's be sort of, let's set up a world where the monk Sante is uh, known and famous. So therefore, as a consequence, there will be con artists claiming, I've learned from him and this is his, uh, so, you know, snake oil merchants. And that snake oil, <laughs> and that snake oil merchant is played by Gordon Liu. And uh, then he learns scaffolding kung fu. And I think it's great, but a lot of people tend to dislike Return to the 36th Chamber quite a bit. Um, uh, but the, the movie I think many fans single out is um, is uh, the the fight, the, the Johnny Wang versus Gordon Liu as uh, Wang Fei Hung. Uh, they have an alley fight in 1981's Marshall Club. Which is this very close quarter, tight alleyway fight that gets smaller and smaller and smaller and more tight and uh, even more tighter as uh, the fight concept gets uh, evolved by director Lau Galang. And uh, I think it's a stunning piece and uh, very creative and uh, clever. So um, he um, he was up for it and uh, has logged uh, iconic appearances uh, throughout his uh, appearances in the 70s and 80s. Uh, but he did work outside of Shaw Brothers Productions uh, to to a degree. Maybe his contract ran out, so uh, at one point, so he got to um, work uh, independently or with other studios. He is in Kirk Wong's Health Warning, aka Flash Future Kung Fu. Ah, yeah, talking about Kirk. Mm-hmm. And he's in the Pier for directors Philip Coe and uh, Terry Tong, and uh, that movie, The Pier, saw Johnny Wang's sort of first foray into behind-the-scenes work, being the martial arts director on that uh, project. Uh, and uh, by the mid-80s, literally, 1985, he saw his chance, or got a chance, to direct his first two features uh, before Shaw Brothers seized continual productions uh, in 1985. Uh, they, they popped up every now and again, Painted Faces, is a co-production between Shaw Brothers and yes. Golden Harvest. So they opened their doors a little bit and then uh, popped up every now and again in terms of movies. But uh, in 1985, uh, the continual flow was um, was ceased. Um, our reviews will go into more detail about the tough and gritty action feel of This Man is Dangerous and Hong Kong Godfather. But off note uh, is that Johnny Wang was the martial arts director, um, action cho- choreographer on both, as well as a uh, writer of both. So he threw himself uh, in there, a uh, truly passion project in a way. And he was the co-star of This Man is uh, Dangerous, uh, sort of the titular man, I suppose, who is dangerous. That is him. It's certainly not Shin Siu. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he has a, and he has a brief appearance in Hong Kong Godfather at the top and um, uh, towards the back end of the film. So those were the first two. Next was 1986's Venus and Interloper, starring uh, Lawrence uh, M of uh, Sex and Sand fame, Elaine Loy, Wang Jiangli, and uh, Johnny Wang sort of ejects the brutal, distressing violence from prior movies in favor of Still hard-hitting fights and stunts, but combined with a comedic, yeah, a comedic aura, so a little bit. Uh, looking forward to get into that one. Seems like an interesting blend <laughs> for for him. For him, definitely. Uh, we had two films in 1988: The Actioner Fury with a bearded Michael Wong, so five stars naturally for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Uh, City Warriors in 1988 as well, starring Dick Way. Uh, Bloody Brotherhood in 1989 was a gangster film starring Andy Lau. There was there were no shortage of those, but it's one that I haven't seen actually. So, um, and I believe there there's a DVD and Blu-ray reissue of Bloody Brotherhood uh, to pick up. Uh, uh, 1990s saw Girls with Guns take center uh, in uh, Johnny Wayne's movie Widow Warriors. 
Uh, the Jackie Chan produced Angry Ranger, so uh, one of his stunt team members, Ben Lam, front and center as the star, and expected, expectedly focus was on stunts uh, from uh, the Stuntman Association. And um, it's uh, probably uh, one of the first uh, movies uh, of Johnny Wang's that he directed that I saw. Because, uh, and it's always had a good rep, Angry Ranger, as uh, a cool action film. Yeah, I think so myself, to be honest. Yeah, it, it is. It's one I'm looking forward to, to revisiting, revisiting. Haven't seen that one in a long time. And uh, finally, in that the filmography, it's not big. Um, we, while we have talked of this film on This Week in Sleaze back, back in the day, uh, 1992's Escape from Brothel is a special case of what the fuck cinema in terms of <laughs> the naughty, the silly, and the brutal things um, it does. Um, so we, we're going to cover that in some shape or form, but maybe not a full, full, full discussion of it. Um, I, I, I'm not sure you have seen Escape from Brothel at any point. Uh, or Back just- in the day, UK VHS, yeah, but never the uncut version. Yes, so it didn't really leave a lasting or any particular lasting impression on me. So I'll be looking forward to, uh, to seeing that one. It's uncut glory. Yeah, I, I think the UK VHS just... Uh, chopped out the entire nude fight between Billy Chow and Sophia Crawford because uh, there's no way to cut around this. <laughs> there wasn't really, no, no. I don't blame him. So yeah, we'll we'll cover Escape from Brothel in some shape or form and uh, maybe some fresh views on it. I haven't seen it in a couple of years. Uh, and while Johnny Wang continued acting in the 90s, appearing as, for instance, a gang leader in Billy Tang's Brutal Run and Kill, and uh, he's in the first Young and Dangerous film. Uh, he's- Is he? I don't, I don't remember that at all, no. So there's a lot of uh, character actors and uh, typical triad actors to remember, but uh, if my memory is correct, he's in the first Young and Dangerous film. But uh, uh, but he seemingly did uh, retire at the uh, around the new millennium. Yeah, Are you not going to mention Kung Fu from Latin Dance from 2003? <laughs> I've not seen it, so I'm sorry. <laughs> We're getting to that one though, right? Come on. If, if we can find it, uh, then... Um, Maybe a full-on bonus episode. So the first uh, film uh, out of the John Wang's filmography is This Man is Dangerous. And uh, within my uh, quick bite-sized opinion, I have some plot um, elements. So I'll, I'll do them in a short bit. So we sometimes do a biography on some of the other persons involved um, in uh, the movie. In this case, Chin Su Ho and so forth. But, uh, you know, with the first episode, I always like to highlight the main creative force. And we certainly have with uh, Johnny Wang. So this uh, background section will be short and sweet. Uh, but uh, it was released. This Man is Dangerous on March 16th, 1985, and uh, dropped from it was dropped from its cinema run 11 days later, which is not as uh, sensational as it may sound. You know, a successful film might play for two weeks. Yeah, right. it's crazy. Bit doggy dog back then. Absolutely, that's a good way of uh, looking at it. He <laughs> uh, went on to make a little over three million Hong Kong dollars at the box office, which was hardly a challenger for the big hits of the day, uh, which I'll mention in a bit. But uh, the, the Shaw Brothers genre output that wasn't martial arts, because th- this is a modern action thriller thing. They were slightly bigger earners. Uh, so um, you know, we, we've talked about Mabel Chung's uh, debut film, *The Illegal Immigrant*, that made four point seven million Hong Kong dollars. Uh, Wong Jing's *The Flying Mr. B* earned ten million. So uh, a little bit of money going into the studio. But uh, outside of that, meaning outside of the studio, you had uh, Choi Hak's uh, Sam Hoi comedy Working Class uh, earning nearly 17 million. Happy Ghost 2 starring Raymond Wong uh, earned 16.6 million. And Jackie Chan blockbusters were earnest to the tune of 26 to 30 million that year. Movies like My Lucky Stars, Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars and yeah. last but not least Police Story. 
So you know, uh, Show Brothers they had difficulty competing in 1985. Was the mm. uh, was the final year? Maybe they realized that we we can't compete anymore. So let's cut our losses and um, and um, close our doors for uh, for the time being because uh, this is the era of. Uh, Cinema City and Golden Harvest, and they're they're uh, out they're outdoing us. You know, Aces Got Places, Aces Got Places are outdoing us, and Jackie Chan and Project A and Police Story and the Lucky Stars movies they're outdoing us, and we can't uh, can't respond. So um, here we are. Definitely, I mean, it, it sucked for them, but it, it was such a long reign that they they did have that. You know, in terms of kind of like looking at it, that I mean, it's almost like they kind of had their time, and and they did amazingly well in their time, and yeah. And unfortunately, sometimes the uh, the youngins come up, and um, you gotta let them kind of do their thing, I suppose. They never really responded truly to the kung fu comedy trend. Uh, they, they tried, and uh, they really didn't um, do audience appeal in, t- uh, in terms of modern movies. With, with horror, they tried to not do horror comedy, but like gross out horror movies, which were, was great for us, like Boxer's Omen and Seeding of a Ghost, but. It, uh, it there there were still the losers in the box office uh, race uh, in terms of that. So uh, it's it's interesting what what they tried to be a freaky freaky and gross uh, for instance, but it never really worked for them. And I mean these movies uh, they they they're not they're, they have they have comedic um, especially this one uh, comedic uh, aspects, but uh, they're they're not total uh, lighthearted uh, times or anything. And uh, maybe that wasn't. Uh, appealing to audiences yeah quite downbeat and i suppose maybe that wasn't something that yeah was was a, a commercial success at that time but in terms of did this man is dangerous and i'll incorporate some plot elements and my brief opinion of it uh, right now so it, it highlights that johnny wang's desire to portray violence in a largely brutal animalistic way initially you yeah. see the lead chin su ho and uh, chung chin pang uh, as a duo of newly appointed detectives uh, usually mucking up out of ignorance they're pretty stupid uh, and that's a story strand them being stupid and a lot of other policemen being stupid that's a chore to sit through that that has a major problem with the f- film did the, these characters never shut up when they should and they spend way too much uh, on wine during an undercover operation at a gay disco which uh, features elvis Choi in makeup playing the marijuana king <laughs> uh so that it, it, it's problematic when it's like but eventually darkness enter the fray and this man is dangerous becomes more engaging um, you know uh, the, these clumsy policemen's uh, police guns are stolen by the mainland gang that uh, johnny wang's character is the leader of and almost anyone who gets in the gang's way they are off, you know, brutally. So Johnny Wang heading this, uh, you know, as a director, but also as an actor, he's the, this brutal, sadistic force that reinforces uh, at least my love and like for how a baddie should be translated to screen. You know, a baddie should be scary and should be dangerous. And he has some moments here that are really, really effective uh, as an actor and director, uh, including during the end. There's some several shocking beats during the end and nothing is fair in Johnny Wang's frame. So it started here. It's shaky, but it started here when it turns dangerous and it would continue in movies uh, like Hong Kong Godfather and Escape from Brothel when being uh, downbeat and uh, nihilistic with his violence. So, a lot is compelling. There's a good chunk that's way too hard to sit through, but it's his first movie, and um, you know. Uh, but anyway, that, that's my short opinion for now. Uh, what did you think of this man? Is dangerous. I agree, Ken. Yeah, very shaky start for our, our man Wang, and only recommended for people like us who have undertaken the the trip through his entire uh, filmography. It's, it's definitely a film of two halves, as you said. 
some of that comedy in the first half is is really daft, but I'd be lying if I said it didn't make me laugh. But, you know, certainly just in spots, but it definitely drags ass in terms of the uh, the pace of the film. Um, and, yeah, there's just a lack of atmosphere, lack of energy, a distinct lack of direction. The film doesn't really know where it's going, which set of characters it should focus on. There's a real collection of scenes feel to proceedings rather than it working as a, a whole piece but that's definitely the mark uh, of a first-time director you know and, and speaking of the director you know the wang man is off screen for for far too long i feel uh, especially in that first, first half sorry um when he does appear uh, it gets a little bit better but you know solid action if a, a little bit unremarkable in that back end when you sit down with this uh, to do a sort of critical analysis, you, you sort of ask yourself, well, what makes an action film where you take away brutality and violence uh, from it? Uh, what makes uh, that tick? And how does that last? How does that, how does that linger? Because in some areas where it does right, it, it definitely does linger. Some, some shocking violence here. And yeah. uh, then you wonder, can it get away with this critically? Can it get away with a basic framework and setup uh, that's about punching and punishing hard? And it would have if it had sort of dropped the comedy and uh, be uh, and had one mood at the very least. Uh, but uh, here it becomes uh, th- th- there's way too long blocks of scenes yeah. of light stuff, um, which is kind of possibly I'm saying possibly why Hong Kong Godfather does not have that. It's more uh, it it uh, it keeps a straight straight mood. So maybe he felt like well that didn't work. So let's not be funny. Let's uh, let's. Uh, Let's be this instead. Um, yeah, he definitely learned from his, you know, mistakes in in air quotations uh, with this film for his next film, uh, and I think uh, it made for a lot better film. Yeah, because uh, he expectedly, you know, the focus is on our young cops here that Chin Siu Ho and Chung Chin Pang plays. You know, they have a little Wheels on Meals style wake up with um, workout routines and things like that. Yeah, I think the problem is I don't think he really commits to that and I feel like he puts them on screen but there's no real commitment to them or their story and it's just kind of a bit wishy-washy and I think that's the problem. It's just there's too many characters um, coming uh, in and out and then I think Lo Meng shows up about like an hour in or something as, as the uh, as the police chief and it, it just seems a bit, a bit odd and, and you can definitely see they're kind of clutching at straws a little bit towards the end. <laughs> To try and uh, make something out of a, you know, a pretty, you know, slow kind of, uh, well, I don't want to say boring, but a little bit boring. I mean, I mean, if you had light banter that uh, was fun and these off hours lives and romantic rivalry, if that was in any shape or form good fun, then you might have been a bit more forgiving. But uh, these are not the performers uh, for that. You know, one confident performer, Chin Su Ho, and one shy that's unsure of himself. With that. So that's the character setup, but it really doesn't work. I mean, uh, at, at one point, uh, uh, Johnny Wang does the thing that's not often beneficial for movies. So uh, at one point uh, during the romantic rivalry, Chin Su Ho's how character is already there, helping out in the little store where the woman works that way is in love with and when he turns up you hear wah, 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 <laughs> that that he's already there helping and uh, then you know okay fine but if you get to some other sequences like uh, then I, I can forget about this and and johnny wang for a while does you know there's a very swift and callous heist sequence where he's introduced um, which i really liked uh, but but it's not um, 
constant from that point. It's going to switch to light stuff. But the, that high sequence, I really like it. He uses um, uh, road construction tools to pierce that armored car and uh, dynamite and uh, to make sure there's no witnesses uh, one of them i don't think it's him essentially executes uh, the drivers that are already knocked out and i thought like boom i'm into this because this is a sort of added extra spice to hong kong brutality this callousness and if you're gonna if you're gonna paint mainland villains as villainous then um, go all the way and uh, let the audience take that punch um, so I really like that sequence. It shows that he's um, that he's thinking in a certain way, you know. Any thoughts on it uh, yourself? That like the first view of uh, Johnny Wang type of brutality. Yeah, it's brilliant. That intro's done really well, and it definitely feels like there's thought put into that as a setup. So it's just it's just a shame that there's not really a lot of thought, or a lot of conviction with the rest of the film, unfortunately. But I think it really makes it stand out that beginning sequence just because what follows is kind of you know lackluster now finally Shaw brothers movies um look less like studio bound films because they're out on location by this time in the mid 80s working and um it, it becomes a bit harder to sort of spot like that's a Shaw brothers film that's a golden harvest film now they're making a bit more uh, modern looking movies uh, not to say that it's a stylish masterpiece or anything. It's a sort of basic and even flat looking. He isn't aiming high stylistically, Tom. And that's fine. Uh, that's fine if you, if you get to your uh, preferred stuff. Uh, mm. And but, but to be honest, I mean, I don't remember Innocent Interloper that much. So it's, it's going to be interesting to watch that again if the comedy and action uh, design works a little bit better there. But um, it, he, he certainly uh, doesn't come off as uh, comfortable doing uh doing this stuff i mean that's the main problem i don't think there's there's a comfort or a, a confidence there uh you know um in the scenes that aren't the kind of brutal action uh in terms of you know uh as in the beginning and the end that that that's the main problem really but it's it's to be expected from a first time director i don't think it's going to be confident um the whole way through or there's not going to be intent or you know fantastic ideas and execution the whole way through and it certainly shows up there when the two um, now plain clothes policemen, that's what they've been assigned now. They're not uh, patrolling. And when things are, they're sent off to their new station and there's misunderstandings about who your supervisor is because Chin Ho in particular, he doesn't know when to shut up. So he runs his mouth. That is so cocky. And then it turns out the person, the other person with the star share, Lam Fai Wong, is in fact their supervisor. What? then they have to crawl into their shells and i'm like no i mean no it's you i'm sure you can never make that comedy fresh again but it, it's so it's so tiring how, <laughs> it, how is, it is i mean they're, is. They're, they're the young ones it seems like they're pretty inexperienced to be honest uh, but it turns out even the elder ones are, are just um they have no judgment whatsoever even the elder ones as uh as it turns out uh they're all they're all crap at their job, is what he's saying. Really, quite a bit. I mean, even uh, uh, not talking one of the elders, but uh, uh, Chang uh, Chimpang as way. He seems way too fragile to to even have been a uniformed policeman. You know, he's yeah. uh, he's, yeah. he's the innocent. He's the perfect target for audience sympathy, of course. But uh, it's not well painted uh, sort of character beats even for this. Like, is he a cop? I mean, Chin Si Ho, maybe sure. 
that guy, how could he ever get out of the academy being so fragile? But, uh, you know. And, and then it gets, uh, like, the block of scenes I talked about, talked about gets so, it gets too extended, like that. It, it's a gag that doesn't make sense. I was expecting it to be sort of a, a uh, you know, when they're asked to, ident- uh, to fingerprint a corpse. It's a sequence that doesn't make sense because they're, they're tossed the fingerprint this grisly corpse right and uh, neither of them are sort of proactive but they're scared because there's bodies all over the morgue scattered <laughs> on the floor <laughs> and i was thinking like yeah that's probably their colleagues and then they're gonna go wow no that's the that, that's <laughs> yeah. all the corpses from the freezers you were thinking when when was the caretaker uh gonna make an appearance yeah it, it's just it's just not really thought through particularly well is it Yes, like it's a rather grisly gag for the newcomers. Like, uh, have them uh, fingerprint a maggot-infested corpse. Fine, take that out the of the corpse freezer. Looks good though. Yeah, but they toss all the corpses on the floor, just out of the cooler, just <laughs> to rib the rookies. And I mean, I'm not a great sort of like my, my comedy needs to be better than this. But it made no sense that they uh, th- that they uh, have this as an initiation sort of ritual for the rookies, like for all the corpses on the floor. Pretty brutal for your, for your first day, isn't it? Jeez, he's probably getting him back for that spilt water. Yeah, it's funny that the actor Lam Fai Wong, he's a he's a staple of Shaw Brothers movies. Sometimes he's their their Dean Sheck. Um, yeah, I, I've seen uh, Lam Fai Wong in uh, like Monkey Kung Fu and Boxer from the Temple, but here he's more of a uh, he's not uh, acting up as um, crazily um, as. Uh, as he does in other movies, uh, so um, bit more understated. Yeah, he's in Clan of the White Lotus, their superior as well, and he's a rather poorly character in Clan of the White Lotus. He looks ill. If you remember, like there's a huge block of these scenes where where Johnny Wang unfortunately doesn't revert back to the darkness. But at this point, we get the uh, Chin Su Ho and his uh, partner's friend being irresponsible, buying wine on the government's dime, and they're out club hopping to spot a marijuana drug pin. And uh, it, it's like a long block of scenes that might be quite a, quite amusing because they, they go to a gay club and uh, they really get into it. Like, Chin Su Ho has dressed for the occasion, apparently. Look, look, look my man Chin Su Ho, he frequents late-night discos, cosplaying as Ken from Street Fighter for, for some reason. A brave choice, I feel. That's a highlight. But, but, but really, it's a, it's a way too huge block of comedic scenes uh, that, that really gets tiring as well. It's not funny. It's... Uh, it dulls the action a little bit as well, because when the action does pop up during that kind of comedic block of the first forty-five minutes or so, it, it, it I don't know, you, it just, it just kind of dulls it for me as well, because you're kind of already a bit fatigued and have tapped out a little bit of what's going on, and then you jump back into it, and it's it's a bit exhausting to be honest. I mean, it's fun, like Elvis Choi is here, and he, uh, you know, he's starchless. You know, he went starchless every now and again, and here he's. Uh, uh, he's he's the marijuana king uh, of this club or this area or whatever. So fine, that, that that's fun. I love Elvis Choi. One but, of his uh, most cerebral roles, I feel. And there's a brief disco fight where Elvis and the gang strike animal style poses, and that's a quirky, <laughs> fun bit of action scene. But it 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 bothered me. I'm not normally that sensitive, but they, they were using way too much strobe lights in the disco fight, so you couldn't see <laughs> yeah. it. But it bothered me. Like I got a little bit of a headache, to be honest. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I think it actually took away uh, from the choreography a little bit. I'm not saying it was hard to watch, but it was kind of like you didn't quite see what was going on. It was it was a bit distracting, uh, as you said, a bit of a 
Mm, not a great choice, I feel. But I do love a disco fight, so I'm glad we uh, got to witness one. If you want to watch uh, sort of dancing and fighting combined, I suppose you should watch Mishmashed Couples from the, from this year, you know, and uh, with Donnie Yen and, uh, and Yung Wo Ping and the Yung Clan doing doing sick moves <laughs> and uh, great action combined, and it's a way better movie. But uh, that's not a dark and light movie. That's purely a light movie. So You know, e- even though it, you're right, though, it dulls, like, the impact of the dark violence, even though that is compelling. So it's not like you sit up and oh my god this is affecting when these guys lose their guns and now police guns are loose in the hands of brutal madmen and they're killing people it's fine and i i don't mind that darkness but it he probably never gets us to engage in that story but it's better though tom when you know they, they you know he he pistol whips these guys next and then they lose their guns and then shit is on because Johnny Wang's the type of director and character that uh, he doesn't stop to talk and then shoot someone. He's the kind of madman that, uh, boom, execution. Yeah, but I feel like sometimes it's the uh, the whole film is kind of resting on his shoulders a, a bit as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, You know, because obviously when he's on screen, it's fantastic. When he's not, it kind of sucks. But, you know, doing double duty on your first film that you're directing, maybe... I don't know, not the best idea, sure. but I think the film kind of reflects that a little bit, to be honest. Oh, a, a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> but 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 was it um, at least better paced when the second half devoted itself to to the darkness uh, more fully? Because it, it doesn't revert back to like police station shenanigans because they they they've messed up at that point, so they they can't be doing a. Uh, 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 more corpse shenanigans for 10 minutes. <laughs> no, there wasn't any of that in the back end. I think, I still think, I mean, it's, it's like I was saying with the disco scene, it's hard. I think once you've kind of tapped out a little bit because you're not invested, it is it is hard. I mean, the, when the first or when the last 45 minutes comes on and there's there's a bit of action, you can kind of get into it, but you, you, you're still feeling a bit fatigued from that, 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 that first half of the film. So it, it definitely is a bit more interesting, but if only that, you know, they'd maintain that atmosphere for the whole film. I think that, you know, in reflection, it would have been a better film. But, yeah, it's just a bit of a shame because there was some good stuff at the end. You know, we get like a chase scene and um, uh, like a shootout at a pond and there's, there's, there's some good stuff. But, yeah, it just doesn't quite have the same impact as it would have if the first half of the film was a bit better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're all memorable bits, but... Uh... Combined with the rest of the movie, they they, they drag the grade down uh, distinctly. I I do like uh, to to distinct himself from his gang. They uh, you know uh, his um, uh, Johnny Wang's gang. They wear stockings, you know, uh, and but he wears like a Scorpio style balaclava uh, from you know from Dirty Harry. You know, Scorpio uh, had that. Uh, balaclava in a couple of scenes yeah i think so if you're trying to hide your identity it's probably best if you don't have a very distinctive balaclava <laughs> if i'm being honest i don't know maybe he hasn't thought that one uh, through too well but but i very, very very much like that because uh it, it evoked it evoked scorpio it really did for me so that, that that worked for me that worked for me a lot and that makes him you know i'm the leader so i, I get a different uh less uh humiliating uh <laughs> way of disguising my face but uh yeah he knew what he was doing because obviously he sticks out that way as yeah, well that, you know that you know you point. can tell i mean you can tell in his build that it, it, it's it, it's john but johnny but um yeah i think having the mask definitely 
keeps you will let you follow the action and what he's doing a bit a bit better and like i know where he is within the action um i do like also the simple direct viciousness of uh, john wang's uh, throughout uh, the rest of the movie you know, uh, as he uh, picks up chin Ho and kidnaps him it, you know pulls a gun on him beats him into the van off five seconds you know and uh, uh, and he's the second victim in a row he doesn't die that johnny wang simply punches and beats him in the chest you know one person he kills that way by just beating him in the chest and he does the same with Chin Ho for for a bit, which uh, is a si- simple uh, tactic, but seems to work because he has some strengths uh, behind those uh, those fists. And uh, you know, and he's not kidding around. Uh, eventually, when he wants to torture Chin Ho to death, you know, he throws him around, kicks him around, shoots him in the shoulder, and uh, mm-hmm. nothing here seems very soft as staged, which um, is a, is compelling to me. It seems like just like with Samo, you have to um, you have to roll with the punches and take them. I suppose so when you're That's working it. with Johnny Wang, take your beating because it's not soft and balletic what he does here um, necessarily, which uh, was compelling to me. No, it's definitely a bit more kind of low down and dirty, agree. But the only thing that I didn't really dig about that back end as well was just the, it didn't really make sense that our uh, our dangerous man is so desperate to torture Chin Su Ho's character. He's mad. He's the Shandong madman. That he, you know, he could just kill him there and save himself a lot of headache from the rest of the police force that are coming to get him. But no, he battles through so he can have his, you know, alone time with, uh, with Chinners. I didn't really get the logic behind it, to be honest. You know, I kind of disagree because I, I like the fact that we got this unstoppable monster. Well, screw yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, sc- screw logic in this case, but but it gets you to 90 minutes, though. Uh, but I sure. really like that uh, th- th- there was an element of sadism there, too. There's a gag with a gun and a, a piece of string that um, gets paid off in not, well, not, not in, uh, in an advantage type of fashion for one of the main characters, but uh, he likes to, I don't know what the Chinese title of the movie is, obviously, but for the English title, yeah. Yeah, this man is dangerous. That's what he's prepared to do. <laughs> I agree. So yes. um, that, that that was always compelling for me that uh, he is this freight train of, of a monster, and he's obviously he's got the build to tra- translate that to us for us to remember that. And it's not enough for this to get a fully passing grade or anything. But uh, as uh, as uh, someone who's now steering his own um, cinematic image, being the director and uh, actor. I like that um, he sort of cranks cranks it the way he does um, on an individual sort of sequence basis, of course. But, um, yeah, I'm def- I'm definitely down with that, and it's yeah, it's a great kind of animalistic performance from him. It's just shame that the performance isn't in a better film. Very much so. Um, so we really don't have anything else to say personally. So anything else you want to highlight from the film? Um, I've got a few notes. Deer caught in headlights. Squilo acting check we get that um <laughs> around 54 minutes in there's a scene uh, that seems to me like it's cut there's the start of a musical cue and like a fraction of what sounds like a woman murmuring or moaning then it cuts to johnny wang put his shirt on i don't know whether you noticed that it sounded like something had, had gone from there like a scene the sound of a scene started and then it kind of quickly went uh, i don't know i mean there's nothing that i read about different cuts or things being cut but uh yeah that was a interesting thing to see and then we get a zoom in on painted boobies with a guitar twang the highlight of the film for me did you catch that <laughs> just me just me you okay. caught more details than uh, than i did 
Uh, and yeah, the only thing that, that got me through as well a little bit in the first half was a lot of kind of fun kind of synthy music and a lot of pop culture references, you know, people wearing T-shirts and posters in the background and things like that really, things to kind of keep your, I don't know, keep your brain kind of on while the... <laughs> <laughs> or keep you awake at least while the the film is doing its thing uh, until you get to the to the last half. Yeah, the boys have a sudden impact poster in their apartment because idolizing a bad cop is good. They had some very interesting <laughs> decor because they had guns on the wall and what looked like cowboy boots just <laughs> uh, attached to the wall somehow. Interesting choices. Very. I don't think they got those from IKEA. They're definitely home built, but yeah, it's a little something uh, positive to say about the film, I suppose. And as for availability of the film, uh, Celestial did restore the film, but uh, to the best of my knowledge, uh, This Man is Dangerous never made it to VCD or DVD. Uh, it was, however, part of that uh, either Malaysia released or Singapore released uh, Sea Eagle box that you plugged into your TV and then you had a massive Shaw Brothers library at the ready. And the movie was included in that one, so we were able to see the version extracted from from that. You know, the, the, the quality might not have looked that good on your rip, but s- some rips from this box are DVD quality so it just depends on how you rip it I suppose uh, this one came out a little foggy I suppose a little murky but uh, I've seen rips from that box that are just like the Celestial DVD so um, it uh, really uh, was uh, it's uh, at, at least uh, for other movies it really was that standard definition quality uh, but uh, but yeah that's the way to see it even though it's not easy for us to sort of point you to uh, where you can pick this up. Maybe there, there, there are bootlegs out there or online uh, versions, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it was somewhere in between a VCD and a DVD, the quality, but I think for this type of film, uh, it works well. Uh, but I still wanted to highlight that it's his first and um, that um, it's, uh, we're devoted to, to the filmography, so uh, gotta start from, from the top if we can, we could. Of course. Uh, so that's us for This Man is Dangerous. And after music break, we'll look at Johnny Wang's second movie of 1985, second Shaw Brothers movie. And it's uh, more known because it's, uh, it is simply more known. It was known, known in cult circles before. Then it got a DVD release and uh, got into the hands of more people. And that movie is Hong Kong Godfather from 1985. And uh, let's uh, take a look at that after the music break. Welcome back in the second uh, movie of uh, this uh, director series on director Johnny Wang. is Hong Kong Godfather from 1985 as well, a plot from the Hong Kong movie database. Mad Wei, played by Long Kai-an, who's in This Man is Dangerous, a little minor role, but um, he is in it, we didn't mention it. But here he plays Mad Wei, he's a former trial enforcer that has retired from the crime world and runs a plant nursery. When he meets back with his old friends, Playboy Lung, played by Norman Chu, and Sergeant Man, played by Richard Chung. Richard Chung is also in This Man is Dangerous. He's the businessman that Johnny Wang's character gets in um, uh, business with. So uh, that's mm. Richard Chung from This Man is Dangerous. Uh, so when he meets up with his old uh, friends for his former boss's party, he gets embroiled in a power play for control of Sim Chat Soy East. 
And uh, the one who wants to take it over, he's called Lan, played by Wong Chun, who uh, ran a gang in New York's uh, Chinatown. But he has decided to make a run at Boss Han, played by Sek Kim, and take control of uh, one of the most important areas of Kowloon. He, uh, Lan that is, gets one of Han's uh, top men to become a mole in the organization and then systematically works to undermine and dismantle Han's gang. When the stakes are raised and senseless killings begins, the tree of Wei, Lung and Man decide loyalty is greater than life itself and go on the warpath for revenge. This was released the same year as we said, as uh, This Man is Dangerous. Uh, only we fast forward to the fall, uh, the fall release season. And Johnny Wang essentially matched the box office of his uh, debut uh, here. Uh, um, Hong Kong Godfather had uh, even a similar amount of days in the cinema. It had 11 or 12 days in the cinema. And then it made about uh, 3.2 million Hong Kong dollars. So very similar to This Man is Dangerous. And therefore that meant, again, we're still in 1985. It wasn't outmaneuvering the big hits of today. And it really was one of the last releases of Shaw Brothers. Uh, movies uh, that uh, came out uh, one of the very last if not the last is uh, the drama My Name Ain't Susie starring Pat Ha and Anthony Wong who was then going by the name Anthony Perry ah uh, okay so, uh, so he's, credi- he's credited uh, under his, uh, uh, his other family name uh, My Name Ain't Susie is, uh, is another 1985 movie and so uh, this was one of the uh, remaining productions that uh, would came out of Shaw Brothers before they shut down continual uh, productions but uh, Hong Kong Godfather always uh, had a strong uh, cultish rep uh, there, there was a Mandarin dubbed uh, uh, rip uh, floating about uh, the place before we got a US DVD of it a few years ago so the movie wasn't in um, it wasn't completely unknown. I'm not sure that Mandarin Dub Rip was uh, fully uncut, but now the DVD that came out was, as far as I know, or at the very least, less cut than the Mandarin Dub uh, yeah. uh, Rip. So that's the amount of notes that, that are out there. Uh, there. There were no new interviews done for the DVD for Hong Kong Godfather, sadly. But uh, as for my opinion, uh, I've seen it before. On one hand, it's a completely ordinary triad actioner, but it's a very memorable one with heavy usage of what was probably the very last batch of Shaw Brothers blood. <laughs> uh, they uh, used it all. Like, they empty it. Empty the storage. <laughs> uh, so Johnny treated as his baby both writing, directing, and action directing. Uh, he, he had a couple of other action directors working with him for This Man is Dangerous. This time he feels secure enough to uh, he's in it less, so he's uh, merely the writer and director and, and not producer, but the uh, action director. And he devotes himself uh, to the latter aspect of action big time. We get tastes of chopper action and some uh, doses of uh, heavy-duty violence uh, for the genre, throughout. But it's the last vicious reel that turns up the intensity, you know, this tons of blood smeared on the screen and on the walls and the slice and dice action literally to me is very exhilarating and and the shopping mall finale which is the second shopping uh, mall finale of 1985 possibly in the same mall i don't know uh, as a police story Looks like it. Uh, it gives the stuntman a painful workout and uh, i think i always like the hong kong golf of it lives up to its uh, rep and uh, as uh, goofy as the splatter-like bloodshed may seem at points, I think it's uh, like animalistic intensity here is quite uh, mesmerizing, and uh, it's uh, it's a trademark of Johnny Wang's uh, style. But compared to This Man Is Dangerous, this one has no like uh, comedic sidetracks at all, and it's better for it. So um, it's a full-on violent impact. I I quite like it a lot. So 
Had you seen it before, by the way? I had. I had. I did have the Funimation DVD when that came out, or at least shortly after it came out. And I remember that doing the rounds and everybody talking Good, about yeah, that's it. That's worth and, a lot now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're talking about yeah, we're talking about selling off uh, Blu-rays and DVDs earlier, weren't we? Um, I might do that. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not that desperate. Uh, <laughs> so, so how? So how was the rewatch in short? Yeah, it was uh, fantastic. Again, a Hong Kong cinema classic for me, a film that proved Shaw Brothers could hang with your Golden Harvest and your Cinema Cities in the ultra-competitive local box office of the 80s. It really deserved more, to be honest. uh, Uh, Yeah, it did. It did. It's a shame that it's kind of, you know, swan song or it's in that kind of last five um, swan songs for the company. It's modern, but it sticks to its Shaw roots with its honor among thieves kind of backdrop and then a big bloody finale on top of that it's mm-hmm. it's perfect i like that this is a pet peeve just because it's it's uh it's so goofy when they don't use the right shore brothers logo you, you know for for modern oh, movies I like sometimes that one. i, I yeah. mean I, I like the way they do it here they present the right shore brothers logo the one that they had in the 80s that looks more like disco lights right sometimes yeah. what they do for these uh, movies that are a different aspect ratio they take the old shore scope logo and sort of do an awkward freeze frame before shore scope comes up and I don't know why some movies got the right one, some don't. I mean, it's not the better logo. Shorescope logo is awesome, but it's uh, it was only used up until a point, and then in the 80s they had a little uh, new disco light sort of uh, uh, strobe light thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you were pining for the old logo, but yeah, I, I do. I have seen that before on certain prints, the freeze frame logo. When it's supposed to be there, it's great. Um, yeah, otherwise, it, it looks a bit awkward. But so, so it's nice to have that at the top of the movie, yay. Um, so he's not in it that much, Johnny Wang, but he proves uh, that uh, this man is dangerous still uh, with the Uzi killing spree at the casino. At the beginning, yeah. Uh, which hints at what kind of massacre he's going to orchestrate here, but it's uh, the ending isn't a gunplay ending. So obviously uh, this is a little bit a unique idea for the movie. They, it's, it's not samey action design. Uh, so, uh, so I like this a little hint here that... Uh, yeah, everyone's gonna get it in this movie. So let's start. Let's let's kick it off. Yeah, it takes no prisoners. Yeah, straight away. So you kind of know what you're what you're in for, I suppose, as soon as you start the film. This is funny to talk about. It's not designed as a comedic, a huge comedic uh, side to the movie, but I liked um, that Norman Chu and his lady friend. They they sort of have the perfect 1985 Saturday Night In, I suppose, with uh, naked Game and Watch playing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Johnny's trying uh, trying out some comedic things here because Norman Chu is like going up and down and up and down, and it turns out he's doing push-ups because that's what a man does. Playboy Lang does push-ups, and uh, his lady friend is playing Game and Watch. You know he's having fun. Johnny he's working us visually before we think because we think Norman is thrusting, but he isn't. He's doing he's doing push-ups. So it's the only sort of uh, comedic bit. And the movie doesn't get stuck in those at all. So I thought, like, that's fine. You, you've learned your lesson. You, you're not lingering on com- comedy for 15 minutes with idiotic characters or anything. So, fine. No, definitely not. And I, I think um, Norman Chu is a great leading man. I still I still think the film has a little of that jumping around from character to character, as our previous film did. But you feel it a lot less here because what's on screen, you know, is interesting. As you say, you know, uh, old Wangers learned his lesson from the previous film, and this one kind of just moves with intent. It's got pace, 
there's energy, there's color, there's this setup, there's interesting dialogue, and it and it you know really is night and day comparing this to this man is dangerous. I mean, I, I'm I, I should state I don't know if this was the order they were shot in, but I sort of presume and assume because the way they were released, and it just feels like improvement doesn't go the other way around. Like you don't do your 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 great movie first and then do a lackluster movie that shows you're regressing rather than progressing so I've, i just have a feeling gut feeling that this man is dangerous was in the can first released first and then he went on to work on hong kong godfather and um, and uh, improve, improvements were made so I'm, I'm taking a guess but it feels like it definitely there's a lot more kind of confidence a lot more maturity with the filmmaker and i think it's probably a good idea to just have a cameo at the beginning and then come back for the kind of end action set piece rather than try and kind of spread himself too thin by having a major role in the film i think it was it was a good good thinking on his part i mean it's demanding it's demanding to be a director and action director so especially uh, with that last the last you know especially putting that 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 kind of last bit on top uh of course but it feels like he's definitely put more into the actual filmmaking aspect rather than kind of what's rather than obviously uh, compared to this man is dangerous uh, he got some veterans in here, a, a rare acting performance from Sekin as Boss Han. And and I say rare because this man, you know, Enter the Dragon, so, you know, he's even called Han in this one, like in Enter the Dragon. <laughs> uh, yeah. I say rare because th- this man had 567 credits uh, to his <laughs> name and he only did a couple of films a year at most in the 80s, as opposed to maybe a dozen in his heyday, right? Uh, yeah. So, uh, and even the man, like, uh, I don't know how old he is. He looks old. He does a little kung fu demonstration. He's got moves still, this man. He he, he does a little kung fu demonstration in front of his uh, grandson. I was like, good for him. This man can move. This man has been disciplined throughout his life that he can still be uh, limber like he is, you know. Yeah, he looks great. And I think, I, I don't know whether you got this, but was it a nod to Bruce Lee when he was talking to his grandson about who had trained him? Because I think he says Uncle Lung... I don't know. And uh, I think the Cantonese name for, for Bruce Lee's Lee, is it Sulung or Silung? So I don't know whether it was lost in translation a little bit in terms of the t- in terms of the subtitles. But if it is, you know, that's a, I think that's a really cool little nod. It's not too um, overbearing or not too kind of daft. It's a, it's a nice little nod. No, nothing is. We don't get stuck in, again, blocks of uh, references or, or comedic stuff, you know. So he, yeah. he, he is uh, sort of more laser-focused on... Uh, where he wants to go plot-wise, even if this is tropey triad stuff, but it never feels like a bad cliches. Uh, um, no. and, and it doesn't, it may, might not exist for dramatic acting, but and, and, but, but there's some shaky acting when uh, Lung Ayanda breaks down in front of his boss, he sees him for the first time in ages, because you, you don't really hire Beardy for his skills as a thespian, but again... Yeah, I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, it's more shaky versus what they're good at in this movie, and that is to bring to bring the fury and uh, all of that. I so, see that. Yeah. And and I, I, couldn't ne- I could never really get a grip on uh, Richard Chung's character. Uh, I, I don't dislike it, but it was one of the questions like, is he a police walking both sides, sort of being corrupt or being a peacekeeper by walking both sides, ha- having been a triad and now a cop? But Johnny Wang never really puts forth that explanation. What It didn't seem like he was corrupt, but it seemed like he was a loyal brother, and that means uh, being friends with his uh, triad friends. You know, A, pl- a, a policeman uh, or an active policeman with ties to the past maybe i, I yeah. always got from it or loyalty at least as you said to, to 
Blues Brothers. That's kind of what I got from it, rather than a, you know the current cop character. I, I didn't demand a full character breakdown and motivation, but these were. A, a I think it's just enough. Yeah, I think it's just enough, really. Yeah, absolutely. A Lloyd brother, and he's going to be part of the trio, and uh, they're going to be, go into bloody war together, and uh, they certainly do. Obviously, there's a basic setup here of, uh, we didn't mention him in the plot, but Shum Wai plays Rotten Chi. Hmm, is he going to be the bad guy or the mole in the organization? Because he certainly no. looks super kind and super loyal. Uh, Shum Wai is a great character actor for uh, playing you know, despicable, despicable characters that are going to pull the rug out from underneath you. In a bloody well, fashion. you kind of you kind of knew from the beginning, really, I suppose, or at least you know from the first half hour what was going to happen. I I think there was always an edge of like, yeah, there's something about this guy that is a bit a bit off in terms of his performance, but he puts in a great performance as well, probably the most complex performance. I, I very much like yeah, that because yeah. he uh, he's both this uh, you know cunning and cunning and uh, character, but he he's uh, frail. He doesn't have the stone face like uh, the character of Lan does or Johnny Wang or whatever. He uh, he gets uh, affected by his actions, but he's enjoying them at the same time. So they're also... Conflicted. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, so Shun Wai is a great sort of uh, guy to have in these movies, but not all movies put him uh, to the test like this one did. Uh, like the, the murders he commits uh, later in the film, he he does them gleefully, but he's uh, shaken a bit to the core of uh, what what he's done and what has happened. But he still wants this. He still wants this part because uh, this is better. It, no, it's it's it's, it's true. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's like a kind of a conflict in his head between kind of loyalty and greed, and I think that's like one of the kind of themes of the film, really, isn't it? The kind of brotherhood and the um the loyalty and the kind of honor that comes with that. And I think that's a nice little kind of opposing you know at least someone who's stuck between those two paths um between the loyalty and between the kind of greed and wanting to move on and move up and, and make a success of himself I, th- I think it's uh it works really well and again there, there's a tight there's a plot focused uh, path here that johnny wang uh walks on and uh, there's no sidetracks to be distracted by and uh therefore I, I like little bits that we encounter along the way like there's some sweet grandson and grandpa connection as we talked about uh, and because like no spoilers but still everyone gets murdered in this movie so <laughs> <laughs> no mercy no mercy so what i said to myself like, like i didn't remember all the killings but, but I thought to myself, like, I bet that kid will be murdered in front of his grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, it's yeah. the Johnny Wang way, and it, it he is murdered, but uh, not uh, in front of his grandfather. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that home invasion scene in particular is done very well. Really tense and brutal, and the, the kind of, uh, the music kind of cues really add to the tension and kind of take it up a notch, and then it all kind of kicks off. It, it's Hong Kong cinema's like non-flowery view of uh, children. We don't need them. We don't. We don't need them in the films. Get rid and, of and, ba- and evil is evil. So evil is going to get to everyone, including uh, ad- including adults. 
men, women, kids and uh, animal uh, animals, dogs. But uh, there's no animal cruelty cruelty here. I mean, we get off-screen uh, murder of animals here. But uh, so it's like, uh, well, they're I, I get they're one hundred percent evil. They don't uh, they don't uh, pick and choose who they're gonna go after in the name of uh, power. You know, uh, uh, gaining uh, advantage uh, in areas and uh, the power play that takes uh, that uh, that we get. I also like uh, again sp- speaking of the grandson and Sekin. I like Sekin's. Uh, as a character he's friendly exterior but he's he's not old and uh, and stupid he can put two and two together he can show strength through leadership and charisma and mm. cool and can even pour salt into the wounds of uh, the young rivals through uh, he, he can taunt them a little bit and he's and he certainly does and i, I like that Sekin gets a chance to show that here uh, john Wayne gives him space to develop a little bit of a character that uh, uncle han is not this uh, useless uh, force in the triad family just because he's old and i think um, he uh, he demands respect and he's outdoing his rival the young ri- rival lan philosophically you know it puts him down yeah yeah and, and, yeah. and there's some good dialogue here from um from from them and uh, the the space that Sekin gets here is not a glorified cameo kind of thing and and and, th- and that's really nice and he's um you know he's part of that house invasion and he gets to do some uh um kung fu demonstration as i said and i don't know when he developed uh this issue with his uh leg in his latter years and he, because he still acted while he had that issue but it didn't look like this was the year that he had his leg issue where he had trouble walking or anything so not at all you know he's not he's not frail either physically or mentally you know, in the film, and I and I think that um, it works obviously really well for, for the character. Some other set pieces: the pool hall attack. It it shows that the movie is not. Um, if we talk technically a little bit here, it's not laced with special effects where we see the cuts going into bodies, but rather it's uh, it has that occasionally. But rather in most sequences, we see this frenzy of cutting and slashing and those sound effects that we all uh, grew up with and still still like and there and a healthy amount of blood that uh, gets squirted but also are in new you know in later cuts we see that blood are already on the walls you know the massacre has uh, occurred and we get this frenzy that pool hall attack uh is a good example of what he's building towards tom he's building towards the ending he's not saving his strength for the ending um, or taking it out on us too early or anything but it's still, you know, it's still like ordinary triad stuff. You know, someone wants to take over this area. Let's uh, burn down their club. Let's attack their club. You know, that's the intentions. We're not talking Godfather like uh, grand power play or anything here. But it still means that it's hugely violent, uh, this world. So it's not uh, timid uh, what they're doing here or anything. They're not uh, smashing windows or anything. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I don't. I don't and to be honest, I don't think there's anything wrong with with tropes or cliches. You know, most films are built on them. It just depends on what you do with them, and if you can kind of uh, have them as your backbone and kind of just add all this all this tasty meat onto. On I don't know whether that's <laughs> whether that is is good or that makes sense or not. But yeah, you know what I mean. It's like you can have that kind of stereotypical stuff, but as long as it's done well and it's it's no nonsense to the point and uh, uh, and really perfectly executed at points. That's what sort of Johnny Wang employs here. That uh, there's no uh, there's no lulls here. There really is no lulls here and um, uh, and memorable sequences. I like a little bit where again Shaw Brothers movies 
are doing more things on locations rather than running around on movie land only. There's a brief scene where they all run into the street. All of them. The the person's chasing and the person's being chased. And they run past real people. And it's a shot from uh, way up high. You know, from another building. And I, I looked at that bystander would think that's real. Because there's no man with a steady cam rig following these guys. They're just running with yeah. sharp implements. I was like, I love that. I love that. Like, no permit, just run through the street and then run even further because the police is going to get us. <laughs> yeah, it's just that kind of chaos. Do you know what I mean? It's the chaos of the moment and it's really captured well because, as you say, it's like it seems a bit ad hoc, a bit on the fly, and it's just, it works perfectly. There's a few different touches here with the Shaw Brothers' bloodshed. You know, stuntmen are spraying blood out of their mouths and even drenching the screen and then the camera at certain points. So it's not just like the regular Cheng Chia stuff where where they have a little blood pack around their stomach and they turn the camera. He uh, is putting on a show with uh, with uh, the blood and uh, the and coupled with the frenzy because it's it's completely intense uh, there's no it's no slow motion to emphasize this no it's just full-on intense and uh, these bursts of violence including the home invasion is uh, absolutely fantastic and there's some heinous almost sad borderline sadism here i don't know if you caught this it, it never happens i should state this but after home invasion is done i think they go to langayan's uh, garden to to catch him and uh, kill everyone and at one point, uh, his uh, his lady friend, Lungayan's lady friend, is there, the character of Connie. And she is down on the ground, and Shun Wai is chasing her. If you rewatch it, or if you caught it, it looks like he, ha- he has like a wooden stick, you know. A- and it looks like he's about to shove that thing up into her nether regions, and then he, he takes aim, <laughs> right? And then he hears, hears a Lungayan's voice, and it- that catches him off guard. And I was like... <laughs> Johnny Wang is not fucking around. These characters are vile, and they're gonna kill in uh, sadistic ways. Even that again, that never happened. But it was like Shun Wai is like aiming, taking aim, and I was like really disturbed. Like, was that going up? I think it was. The the danger is very real. You know, it's very potent. The threats there, and it just that's another little kind of reminder of the danger that the characters are in, and and the chaos. You know, any anything could happen. You know, anyone's anyone could die there's there's no mercy at all and i think that adds that extra tension you know that extra kind of grittiness to the film which which really pushes it you know into kind of um different territory man you know fantastic um territory it, it doesn't sound like uh you became um that it was tiring that it was this much to you even as it gets to the end they like like uh, it seems like you were still on board and it wasn't okay here we go again frenzy frenzy blah 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 blah, blah. no like, man, there's a good build to it i think there's a good build to it there's like flashes of it and we get some good sequences building up to the to the finale and i think it, it works really well um because again and then the finale takes it to a different area because you get like a bit of a bit more kind of hand-to-hand combat a bit more stunt stuff it's just I mean, it's a really good blend of different action and it's kind of dotted uh through the film really well or placed throughout the film really well i think that's what i was saying about before there seems to be a real kind of there's a um overarching kind of view of, of kind of where the film's going and where it's gonna end up and i think it's it's that's that's what happens kind of when you're i don't know when you kind of make a film that's maybe not like that you kind of learn and and 
then from there you make something that's kind of a lot more better in terms of the overall structure of the film, you know, and I think it's what he does here. The layout um, at the finale of, of the mall, I mean, I don't know if, uh, I mean, he, in police story, he, uh, Jackie Chan's finale was at the, at the Wing On Mall or Plaza. I don't know if they had several of those locations or if this, or if this was the only such location in 1985 in Hong Kong. Because who knows if they, you know, we're going to build a few of them and they're going to have the same architecture. But regardless, it uh, it looks like the Wing On Mall and Plaza with the escalators going up and down. And they do some stuff there, so massively fast and chaotic stuff there. And I mean, Jackie, he broke stuff. Uh, so they had, to, they had to sweep up after themselves. Johnny Wang smears stuff on the walls. <laughs> had to bring the bleach in. <laughs> so, so, so I'm thinking like so some Shaw Brothers intern had to deal with that with a cloth and a bucket at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> you got to clean up. They open up at 8 a.m., man. <laughs> so, and we're going to come back and do it again tomorrow. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different, it's kind of a different type of action, you know, which I like. There's, there's, it's... It's just, I think it's good. I think it's good that we've got both of those. You know, we're talking about, you know, more kind of big mall finale set pieces. You know, it's very different. I think if it was maybe like Police Story, it would pale in comparison, but it's not. It's different. It's got a different edge to it, a different angle to it, which, you know, puts it from or stops it from comparisons, really. Police Story is obviously stunt focused. This is violence focused uh, with stunts built into that, but it's not uh, highlighted. And, and I think they mix uh, either locations or they go on, uh, uh, onto some uh, Shaw Brothers set work here. So they're not all in the in the open area of the mall or anything. But it's really seamless um, the, the way they... Because the stairwell, for instance, that really bloody stairwell. I think that might be a set, obviously, uh, uh, on the movie land. Uh, but it, it's really seamless and it's just so enthralling. Like, uh, I think Richard Chung, he has not armed himself with, uh, with a knife. He's armed himself with a wood saw. And he starts it off by slicing a couple of necks with that wood saw. And again, they're not always showing these insert shots of uh, necks being sliced open or anything. But it's that frenzied slashing and dicing and stuntmen flipping and falling all over the place. I don't know how much you can meticulously plan this, to be honest. But he gets it in the can. And uh, and then he picks his moments for special effects, you know, stabbings and arms being cut off and so forth. So, 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 So Johnny isn't like hiding the bloodshed. Uh, or anything and just presenting chaos there is bloodshed and a lot of it and just uh, it's it's kind of primal when you watch it like blood is smeared on the wall this is enthralling depleting the fake blood stock uh, at your brothers uh, and it's still and it's still sort of reddish and pink light reddish and pink but why shouldn't it be it had been for so many decades that that sort of color of the Shaw brothers blood that is not dark enough but you know, as a swan song, if this was one of the last movies released, why not uh, let it be as it was in 1967 or something? <laughs> oh, definitely. You know, it's keeping the kind of foot grounded in traditions, grounded in traditions, isn't it really? Or tradition, it's, it, it's, you know, they're not changing. I think that's good. They kind of changed obviously a little bit with the setup and kind of what it was. But it, it as I was saying, it still feels pretty much like a Shaw Brothers film, but, you know, transposed to the, the modern day. Um, but I think what you said about the action was that I think it takes a lot of pre- preparation to make it look so unprepared. You really must. I mean, if you if you don't fall in the exact spot, uh, you it, we, yeah. we still have you in focus, pr- uh, presumably. You know, they they probably planned planned to that uh, to that degree, so people are not falling out of frame and um, 
the cameraman is is unable to catch them or anything. But it seems like um, that uh, chaos is a bit fr- slightly free for all. A little bit. There, there's some leeway given to where exactly people fall and flip and yeah. things like that. But, but it's a finale that uh, people always talked about. Oh my god! Like uh, this is so violent, and it's a finale that lives up to to its uh, to its rep because um, it's uh, it really does it really does it right. Uh, it's, a, it's one of the best for sure. It's a crescendo, right? So um, uh, there's a few Western faces here. Uh, Wayne Archer is in it, uh, playing with his nunchucks at one point. So that's a little old school uh, Bruce Lee reference, I suppose. Uh, yeah. But uh, old school reference. Wayne Archer was later in Arm of God uh, the next year. Uh, Ken Boyle as the uh, police superior with a sweet handlebar moustache. Uh, That's great. He he's the uh, cult leader in Armor of God, so he's seen that with Wayne Archer, and uh, we also get Paolo Tocha, who would go on to appear in Bloodsport uh, with uh, Van Damme. Ah, so. mm, uh, yeah, nice Paul man, nice Paul. Yeah, you can see him in a couple of these uh, ninja movies from Phil Mark as well. So he became a lead in uh, one or two of these uh, movies. Uh, so, but yeah, he went on to uh, appear with Van Damme. Uh, so the only thing I forgot to mention, like the only other comedic beat, is the I, I kind of like the character, but it's the it's a comedy character, the character of Johnny Walker, uh, the su- the suitor of uh, Beardy's uh, daughter. <laughs> he takes disrespecting your elders to a new level. He thinks he's the boss, and he berates the fruits he's grown in his garden. Everything is useless and. It's such an annoying and perfect character for that moment because he's pathetic and he's got a little Clark Kent uh, uh, curl going down his forehead as well. So, <laughs> uh, And funnily enough, I couldn't find an ID for the actor on Hong Kong Movie Database after all these years because I kind of like he is going for it and he's going to be, he's supposed to be annoying and he sure was and he's pathetic and he sure was. Uh, and role, Johnny yeah. Walker, <laughs> isn't that uh, you? Uh, speaking, I'm speaking to a lager log. Isn't Johnny Walker uh, like a whiskey or like a term for a whiskey? Yeah, it's it's a scotch. Yeah, yeah, cool. You drink beers, but uh, still, you know your alcohol. So I need to ask a proper man about these uh, things to get the facts straight. So you're asking, you're asking the wrong man. I just show up and drink, and that's it, really, man. That's my uh, mo. What's this? Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, I remember. Phil G talked to Wayne Archer. He called him on the phone. He, uh, he has his number and talked to him about Armor of God and he and and, and a little bit about the Hong Kong Godfather. That that, that was a way in and uh, and it kind of back in the day you could just show up on sets. They they were not like closed sets or anything. And uh, really? like so I'm 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 I, I do martial arts and I always wanted to be in Hong Kong movies. And Wayne Archer kind of got into the door that way. One of the earlier. Uh, guys uh, from that uh, era to get into Hong Kong action movies, um, and he did with uh, obviously this. Uh, he's in Armor of God, and uh, and on it went for a couple of years. So yeah, he, he has a great bit in Armor of God, one of the funniest bits in Armor of God, where Jackie is about to surprise him in the hall, uh, in the hall hallway, in the corridors, and he misses. Like Wayne has passed already, and Jackie goes ah. And then he's passed already, so uh, yeah. he, he, he gets to be part of Jackie's comedic that's, beats. In, yeah, in that's him, yeah. Uh, so, uh, very much approved, and uh, what an improvement over This Man is Dangerous. So that's uh, the end of my notes. Yeah, definitely. Ah, oh, okay, well, I've got a couple more tidbits. Do you think uh, Mr. Wang is a fan of Stallone or not? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Explain. Well, we get, we get uh, the dogs called Stallone in this one. There's like a First Blood 2 advertisement in the paper. Very obvious when um, Beardy's reading the paper. And I'm sure there's a Rocky 3 poster 
in this man is dangerous. Sure, um, I mean, why wouldn't you be? Stallone was the man. Yeah. So. <laughs> of course, especially you know at, at this time. So yeah, something that was quite interesting to see. Um, I'll be looking out for more Stallone cameos in the rest of his filmography. Um, yeah, I was gonna say as well, Beardy disappears for like a good half hour in this film, but it's not really felt because of the energy of the narrative and Chu's performance in particular. You don't really feel it. He kind of disappears, and it's only this time around that I noticed it. I was like, oh, yeah, he, he kind of went off for a, a little bit. Um, I, I, I literally did not notice it, so uh, that means uh, the flow must be correct. For sure, yeah, and uh, last but not least, incredible fashion. I think most of the budget just went on keeping Norman's bubble perm moist, to be honest. <laughs> um, Sergeant Mann is wearing, like, this... Um, like denim leather jacket at the end it's denim but it's designed like a leather it, it, it's spectacular and i was very sad to see uh, a machete rip through it <laughs> on the back end that is priceless denim god damn it johnny Wayne, you can't do that <laughs> he uh, takes no prisoners but yeah fantastic movie and uh, great to revisit and that is all my notes yeah it was, it was fun to have him around i didn't expect johnny wang to appear again because he, he was not a crucial character we saw him at the beginning and i thought like yeah maybe that's his cameo but it's like cool he's uh, he's in there and uh, not just calling the shots but uh, he's in there in the in the chaos uh, maybe as a performer it's hard to stay away but um Still, uh, it was nice to see him. It was not a shoehorned in kind of thing. Like, I'm the director. I'm going to get a bit now. No, when you've got such an action talent, you would, you know, you think that you'd, you'd have to utilize it, you know, at the end. You're kind of missing out, really, by not. Cool. Well, as for availability, after doing the rounds as a Mandarin dub bootleg for many years, and I'm not sure that was complete or not uh, in terms of violence, uh, anyway. Uh, and it had no Hong Kong DVD or VCD release from Celestial, the US company Funimation that uh, did a Shaw Brothers line uh, and obviously does anime and things like that too, they released a Cantonese DVD in 2010. That is now sadly out of print and expensive secondhand. I've seen it like briefly for a reasonable price like on eBay or Amazon, but most of my search hits, they came up with uh, quite uh, hugely expensive secondhand prices. Hopefully this will see a ratio from someone in the future, sadly not on digital anyway, but um, but it's, you know, you can always hope, like at the time of recording, the, the Arrow Shaw Brothers Volume 1 box set is dropping, and and they have not, in that box set, they it's not just Chang Chia and Lao Galong, they have like a bit more, not off-brand, but sort of kooky movies because in that first volume you have Mighty Peking Man, so why wouldn't a modern action piece like Hong Kong Godfather fit like a volume two of nine, ten, or eleven movies or whatever. So um, definitely, man, it's one of the greatest hits, and it's a very well-known short film. So it would definitely make sense to be part of one of those. I mean, even if this man is dangerous, had been this five out of five gem, it's not known. So you know, compare comparatively, Hong Kong Godfather would have a greater chance uh, to get a ratio, and I really hope it does because uh, it deserves uh, it deserves to be viewed more. But uh, these things don't stay in circulation for long, so it's not like it's a scandal that the 2010 DVD is not in circulation. These deals and these licenses are limited, and Funimation uh, probably had them for a few years, maybe three or four years, and then it uh, simply. Um, uh, the deal ran out, uh, but but uh, yeah, I got it uh, as soon as it was released because uh, I knew of the movie back then. I was curious, uh, a bit dodgy in terms of they always use uh, new credits. These remastered prints are textless. This seems like they never did a new credit sequence, so they added rather cheap looking 
uh, credits and uh, and text in, uh, at the top of the movie, you know. So it seems like a little bit uh, less effort was put into uh, replicating the original uh, opening credits, you know. Because on those old Chang Chia movies with those uh, very majestic credits, uh, they were new, but they were uh, they were aping the original credits uh, really well. Here it seems like. Oh, they didn't do that in Hong Kong. We need to do it ourselves. Does anybody have like a cheap device where we can put like stuff onto the print? Like typey, typey, typey. Yep. Got yeah, it. yeah, you got a good point there, but so, yeah. okay. so it looks a little shoddy, but uh, it's uh, at least we got the original short, short sco- uh, the, the proper short scope uh, logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all. That matters. was there. Uh, so so yeah, um, very much recommended. Hope you can get the DVD or uh, uh, or reissue in the future, either in the US or UK. So that that's us. I mean, I, I think uh, we 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 are not we we probably aren't able to exclude any movie at, at, aside from that Kung Fu Fu from Latin Dance that I didn't know he directed <laughs> no! until now. Maybe that's not even available with subtitles. But uh, other than that, I think all the movies are available to us. Uh, I just need to pick up. Um, uh, bloody brotherhood uh the reissue so coming up in the coverage you know innocent interloper fury city warriors bloody brotherhood widow warriors angry ranger and to an extent uh i'm gonna have at least uh, tom share his views on escape from brothel it'll be a series and uh, i'm glad it's action tinted uh, this time around uh, i like that variety that we uh, uh, are presenting so this has been the director series on johnny wang's first two movies and for all your podcast on fire network needs including the back catalog of uh, the director series on the variety of uh, directors namna choi kirk wong ringo lam and so forth head to podcastonfire.com or search out the director series on apple podcasts stitcher spotify or wherever you get podcasts social media links are available in the show post and on the website and that's me plugged out so uh let's throw over to tom for a uh, plug off the lager logs if he can remember it because it's a drinking podcast glug 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 jokey jokey <laughs> that was a good one uh i might i might borrow that for the show um the logalogs.com yes the all the websites are all the websites i've already screwed it up all the episodes are wrong the log the logs one dot com the logalogs two dot com no <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, logalogs.com. All the episodes are available on there. We've got a nice little kind of lineup now. Something for everyone, no matter or whatever your interests, uh, whatever your beer interests are. There's something on there. All the links to the social media and your streaming platforms are on there. So, yeah, check that website out. That's the kind of main hub. And come and join us on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Instagram, we've got, you know, quite a nice little community over there. A lot of brewski pictures, um, a lot of reviews, a lot of talk about beer. So uh, it's all good. Yeah, if that's your thing, head on over. We'll uh, link to your endeavors and uh, we'll be back for further uh, exploration of Johnny Wang's uh, filmography. So um, look out for, I suppose, The Innocent Interloper and Fury uh, next. So um, looking forward to it. Cool. Well, um, remember, Michael Wong beard, five out of five. There's no other way to review Fury. So <laughs> <laughs> I think he does some sweet, uh, sweet soccer moves as well in that movie. So five, that's, out, of, five out of five. Six, six out of five. Absolutely. Uh, okay. I've been kind of bigger with me. What's Tom KW? So say goodbye to the kids. Bye to the kids. <laughs> <laughs>